and we're here. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Is that your English accent? Yeah, that's my Professor Dave imitation. Oh, okay. And we're back. <laughs> sponsored by CSO, the cult fanzine, and my very special guest today is Mr. Sean Hotmerig. Hey, Sean. Hello, how are you? Hello! <laughs> Thank you for having me on here. Yeah, no problem at all. It's my pleasure. Uh, Sean is responsible for two of my favourite podcasts. Tell everyone what your shows are, Sean. Um, there's the Tardis Tavern, mm-hmm. which is basically, we just get drunk and we talk about Doctor Who. And um, my serious podcast is uh, the Doctor <laughs> Who Book Club podcast, um, which I host with uh, Eric Stadnick, also of the Doctor Who, the Writer's Room podcast. Yes. Uh, uh, that's that's released monthly, and we read uh, s- selections from the uh, Virgin New Adventures, uh, Missing Adventures, and the BBC Eighth Doctor and Past Doctor books. And they are very so. enjoyable. I listen to them regularly. It's the first thing I do. As soon as I- the new episode comes out, I listen to it straight away. Oh, bless your heart. I, I don't get it myself. I, I, I just, I, I've never listened to a podcast that was on. I can't stand it, but. Really? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just can't stand listening to my own, my own voice. You're missing and, out. And, oh, but. <laughs> <laughs> They're really great shows. Oh, thank you very much. Now, the reason I asked you to come onto the show is I thought it'd be fun to talk about American Horror Story. And I believe you're a bit of a fan. Yes, I am a huge fan. I have, I have the first one on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and I'm going to purchase the second season as soon as it comes out. Um, and I understand that you like it a lot too. I do. I got given the the Blu-ray for my birthday recently, um, and I watched the first episode and got completely hooked. So it didn't mm-hmm. take me too long to go through it. But um, yeah, great series. I haven't seen the second series yet, so that's something to look forward to. But I guess you've seen oh, that. Oh gosh. Now. Yes, yes. Um, it's interesting. I, I saw the first series, uh, we were talking briefly before mm-hmm. we started recording, about the, the way that you enjoy a series really depends on the way you watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally prefer to do what you call binge watching. Yeah. Where you could watch, you know, three episodes a night mm-hmm. until you get the whole thing done with. Yeah. Uh, that's how I started uh, watching Breaking Bad, and All we right. loved it. And then when it came to the fifth season, we really hated having to wait a week mm. to see the next episode. And when I watched American Horror Story the first time, I was watching it an episode a week. Yeah. Um, and I didn't enjoy it as much as when I watched it again on Blu-ray, mm. where I got to watch big blocks of it, you know, because... <clears throat> I don't know. That's true with a lot of stories. You mentioned Lost earlier, too, yeah. was another one that I, I binge-watched as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with something I, like yeah. Lost, because there's so much going on, I yeah. find it a bit easier yeah. to try and keep track of what's happening if you get to sort of watch it in a consistent block rather than having to wait for a week and having to try and remember. And I, I love that show, too. I'm a big supporter of that show, even though a lot of people slack it a lot. But Yeah, I kind of anyway. hung in there until the end. I watched the whole lot. Um 
it kind of tailed off for me a bit after the season five, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but we're not here to talk about Lost. No, we're talking no, no. About, here to talk about American Horror Story. Um, yeah, so fun fact, uh, American Horror Story was created by a fellows named Gary Murphy and Brad Felchuk. Yes. Who apparently got really, well, not tired, I shouldn't say, but they uh, also created Glee. Yeah, that freaked me out when I first found that out. I thought that was a really yeah. odd sort of juxtaposition between the two shows. Yeah, and um, you haven't seen season two yet, but there is actually a Glee-like moment in season two. Oh, really? Uh, where they sing. Yeah, like out, out of nowhere, they sing um, the name game, which is that song that goes, Shirley, Shirley, Bo Burley, Fafana, 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 <laughs> And it's fantastic, and it seems so out of place, but it's wonderful. Um, but I guess they got tired. They just wanted to bring out their darker natures, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they produced this show. They certainly did that. And yeah, yeah, and uh, it, what's clever about it, I guess you'd call it a gimmick, even though that's not a, a good word to use, mm-hmm. is that each season is its own separate story. All right, so season one is almost like its own self-contained miniseries, and then when they brought back season two, which is set in a mental asylum, it started all over with different characters, different story, but a lot of the same actors. Okay. Yeah, so it's um, like so a just, sort of a cast that he likes to use again and again. Yes, yes, and and they're coming back with the third season. I'm sorry, they're coming back for the third season as well. And uh, for the third season, it's just it's going to be called Coven. Okay. Um, and it, it's also going to have Kathy Bates in it, which I'm excited because oh, I love yeah. Kathy Bates. Yeah. Obviously, and Misery her and just was a great show. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, her and uh, Jessica Lange, I guess, are going to have some sort of uh, they're like frenemies or something like mm-hmm. that so that would be I'm awesome. really looking forward to that mm. but um yeah and, and you know I, I i wondered before i i came on to talk about this I'm like oh my god what am i in a clip why do they call it american horror story what's so american about it mm. and i i think if you look at the the the, the past of horror in general i mean if, if you're going to talk about horror television or horror movies you'd probably go back to the 50s when the universal monsters like um, Dracula, yeah. the Wolfman, and, mm-hmm. and Frankenstein. Well, that goes back even further than the 50s. I yeah. think that can go all the way back to the 30s. Mm-hmm. And then it horror kind of changes, it, or it kind of it. it I find that it gets popular in different from different countries. Like it went from America to you guys had it for a while mm-hmm. with the Hammer horror movies because yeah. you took some of those characters and you put your own spin on them. Yeah. I made it more, frankly, more scary and more gory. Mm-hmm. And then nowadays, I mean, then you, then you had the Italians take it yeah. in the 70s. And then it went back to America in the 80s mm-hmm. with the slasher films. Um, and then the Japan had the ball for a little while because yeah. they made um, Audition and um, uh, The Ring yeah. and Juan. And then you'd have Spain make a few movies. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, really, what does each country you know give to the genre and when you think about american horror Mm -hmm. uh, the idea that you have a a a nuclear family like you do in this in this uh story yeah there's always something trying to threaten them um in this case uh it's very rosemary's baby because the mom is pregnant and you don't know what's going on with the baby there's something wrong with the baby Mm -hmm. there's uh there there's uh, uh they're they're cheating the husband had an affair with 
a girl before and they they got they reconciled and got back together mm. the husband and wife did and and I'm I'm babbling but basically <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen the story it's about or the first season anyway is about a family of 3 that moves into this mansion at a very cheap price in LA mm. and it's haunted like nobody's business i mean there's probably god i have to sit down and count the number of ghosts that haunt this place <laughs> they move there don't they because they the wife finds out that he's been cheating so they decide yes. to make a clean break and uh, so there's the the two parents and um their daughter so they move to la and like you say you get this what frankly is an amazing house for a dirt cheap price and the uh, and it is it is a it is a beautiful house yeah. too and the lady from the estate agents is uh, coming clean and saying, well, for full disclosure, we have to mention that the previous owners died in the house. And that's why it's going so cheap. Right. And it was a, a gay couple uh, that was apparently a murder-suicide. Mm. And you find out later that that wasn't the case at all. It was a They were killed by the house or by the ghosts that live in the house. Well, that's, um, that's you asked what's, what's American about it. I think haunted houses definitely yes. have a bit of a... Um, it's a, a common trope. I use that word yeah. trope uh, in American horror. So you've got things like the Amityville horror. You've got um, the house. Poltergeist. Yeah, you've got the house in Psycho as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think there's definitely a history of that. And the, the house itself is almost like a character in its own right. Yes, yes. Yeah, I can think of uh, The Shining, The Haunting. Mm. Um but then you have another character who's very important, like the next door neighbor played by Jessica Lange. Oh, she is awesome. <laughs> yeah, she is the she best makes... thing in that, hands down. She is amazing. She won a Golden Globe, an Emmy, and a couple other awards for this performance. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if television actors could be nominated for Oscars, uh, well, she's already won two Oscars yeah. for something else, but she would have gotten an Oscar if this was you know, a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, she has, uh, well, it, the story begins, we find out she has one child, mm-hmm. it's a girl with Down syndrome, yeah. who she doesn't treat very well, mm. um, but then we find out that she's had at least three other children, I think. Yeah, that's right. And uh, is it a spoiler to mention who they are? <laughs> I, I'm guessing if someone's going to listen to this, I reckon they've probably seen it already, so... Yeah. Yeah, one of them is the boy who is seeing the doctor or the the mm. the dad in the family yeah. is a psychiatrist. Yeah. It turns out that the boy, her son is one of the ghosts that lives in the house. And her other son died years ago. He she kept him in the attic mm. and he was deformed or something mm. like that. His name is Beauregard. Which is really funny because my, my grandfather would always tell my mom and her sister that he didn't like boys. And they actually had an older brother that they kept in the attic. Oh, so if gosh. they ever heard anything in the house, it was their older brother upstairs. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's important to note that at some point, the, the girl with Down syndrome, mm. I think her name is Abby? Addie. Is in Addie, that's right. Yeah. And she's killed. She's hit by a car. Mm. Um, but she doesn't come back as a ghost because she didn't die in the house. Mm-hmm. In order to come back as a ghost in the house, you actually have to die in the house. Yeah. Um, and her son, the ghost son, his name is Tate. Mm-hmm. 
he died in the house because she used to live in this house. And in something that goes a little bit too far, it turns out that he was responsible for a a school shooting, Mm -hmm. and then he killed himself in the house. It's kind of a little bit like Um, the Columbine tragedy. Yes, Mm. yes. (laughs) That's pretty American right there. Yeah. (laughs) School shootings. Mm. Um, But, uh, yeah, this was made after Columbine, but before... uh, the other one that happened not long ago. Um, so a lot of the characters' motivations are—they almost seem to be driven by the house. Yes. So you've got um, Jessica Lang's character who now lives next door, but you get the impression she would like the house back. Um, you've got another character, which is um, oh god, I forget the guy's name now. Um, he. When you first see him, he's got these really bad burns down one side of his face. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't remember his name either. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. He is not a ghost. No. Because he, he, but we learn, we have no idea who he is at first. Mm. He, we just call him the burned man. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even know what his real name is. And he seems to be harassing Dylan McDermott. Yeah. Who I always want to call Dolmelt Marooney, but that's a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dylan McDermott. He keeps encountering Dylan McDermott and actually helps Dylan McDermott kill his former girlfriend with whom he was cheating on his wife before they moved there. Yeah. And she's buried underneath the gazebo. Mm. It plays out a little bit like a soap in a way, but kind of heightened because of the whole horror thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You've got all these kind of dysfunctional relationships. And so he's he's promised his wife he's going to make a clean breast of it. He's not going to cheat anymore. And then she keeps turning up on the scene and he's trying to get rid of her and it all gets very messy. And in the meantime, there's uh, uh, somebody in a latex suit that keeps showing up. And this that, that drove me crazy yeah. when I first saw it because I was like, when are they going to explain this latex suit? Mm-hmm. You know, this is getting a little bit ridiculous. Um, and fortunately, they do. Everything is tied up with a ribbon by the end of the whole story. Mm-hmm. And we find out that the latex man is actually Tate. Yes. And he rapes uh, Connie Britton, whose name, I, the mom yeah. of the family. What is her name? Ooh. It's awful that I don't remember their names. Uh, I'm going to cheat and have a look at my... <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on a moment. Uh... Yeah, it's Vivian. Vivian, Vivian yeah. is the mother, yeah. But because she had a she miscarriage, out... didn't she, before they moved? Yes. So they're yes. they're already kind of at breaking point because she's still pretty mad at him for cheating, and she's had a miscarriage. So it's very a difficult time for them. Um, and then when they just start to get back together again, she thinks because they discover this suit up in the attic that he's just being a little bit kinky and it turns out that it's not actually her husband who's on top of her <laughs> and then it gets very freaky because don't they find out that there's twins and they're by two different fathers yeah i mean that it did feel a little bit like they were jumping the shark at that point <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you know i didn't actually know until recently that that's actually possible for cats and dogs i didn't really? know that i don't think it's possible for people mm. though i don't know um, it, 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 it turns out that this whole ghost rape thing has been planned by the house because, and by Jessica Lang, mm-hmm. um, because one, one of the, the ghosts in the house is a, uh, 
oh gosh, uh, I don't remember the actor actress's name, but uh, she was also killed in the house. She was she was killed in a murder suicide. Her doctor was a surgeon, yeah, who worked who was taking women and basically they made a Frankenstein baby, mm. and she killed the baby and then killed her husband and killed herself. And she is trying to get Tate to impregnate Vivian yeah. so that she can have a baby. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, Jessica Lange wants the baby as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it, it kind of changes about midway through when we find out that it's all about this baby. Mm-hmm. Um, when the baby is actually born, the house helps the birthing process along because... Of course, some of the characters in the house, or I'm sorry, one of the characters in the house is a doctor, mm-hmm. and he actually plays, how do I say this? I was going to say he actually plays doctor. He actually delivers yeah. the baby. Yeah. So, and we realize at some point that uh, the daughter is dead, uh, and that she's a ghost, and I've, I kind of figured that out. It's, the whole thing, it's, it's almost like you suddenly realize that half the cast are ghosts. Yeah. And you have to pick out which ones are real and which one are ghosts. I have to admit, does that I, make sense? Yeah, I didn't quite get that the daughter was a ghost until very close to the point where they revealed it. <laughs> so I thought that was mm-hmm. quite a cool reveal because one of the rules of the way that this works is that if they're killed in the house, they exist in the house, but they can't leave the house. So there's a scene where she's trying to escape and she keeps running out of the kitchen door, and when she thinks she's outside, she's suddenly back indoors again. I didn't understand, though, there's a scene, uh, the mom ends up in a mental asylum, mm. and there's a scene where the dad and the daughter are going to visit her, yeah. and she doesn't want to leave the house, mm-hmm. and he actually drives off with her in the back seat, yeah. but she's a ghost watching this from the window, mm-hmm. so who was in the back seat? It wasn't her ghost, because she can't leave the house. But I was confused. They kind of set that up before, because um, when they had another ghost character, um, it was the his... Um, girlfriend who kept harassing them they didn't realise at that point that she's a ghost so they call some security guy to come out and take her away so he goes to drive her off somewhere and he turns around and realises she's gone because uh, she can't okay. leave the house right. um, and this, I think the same thing happens with the daughter uh-huh. so yeah it's um, it's one thing I thought was very cool about it is it plays out a little bit we mentioned Lost before you've got Uh all these characters and on the surface you think you know all their motivations but then it kind of reveal, you get different parts of their personality revealed so you kind of see a different side to them so for instance Mm -hmm. one character we haven't mentioned yet who's pretty important in the whole thing, she's called Moira yeah, I knew you because and she is the maid and she kind of comes along with the house. And one of the kind of cool things with her character is that both the husband and the wife see her in different ways. So to the wife, she appears as this slightly older lady um, who's like the hired help, whereas to Mm -hmm. the husband, I guess it's a case of them seeing what they want to see. The the husband sees this quite foxy young lady dressed in kind of like a French maid's uniform. Yeah, yeah. Which gives him a bit of a surprise towards the end when she kind of reveals what she's really like. 
Yeah, she she comes across as a villain in the beginning. Yeah, but by but the end, you, she's kind of like one of the good characters. Yeah, and I think that her motivation, much of it is that what she really wants is to get out of the house, and the only way that that can happen mm. is if they find her body, which is buried in the backyard or yeah. the front yard. It's buried, it's buried on the grounds mm-hmm. because she was killed by Jessica Lange. Yeah. And uh, there's a great after, line. Sorry, there's a great line in one of the opening episodes where she says, don't make me kill you again. Yeah. Which kind of sets things up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but ironically, at the end, you know, you've got all this conflict, you've got this, you know, infidelity, mm-hmm. you've got a horrible birthing process, you've got... It all kind of ties up at the end, and they all live happily ever after as ghosts in the house. Spoiler. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was quite cool... Um... It's almost like they they function better as a family once they're dead uh-huh. compared to how they were when they were alive. Which yes. Is... Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, and if... Sorry, because it was a, a series as opposed okay. to a film, um, you kind of invest in the characters. So I think by the time you get to the end episode, I think if they just got rid of them all and had a, a fairly bleak ending, I don't think that would be quite such a satisfying ending. Whereas right. I think the way they tied it up, I think resolved it very well. And there's, there's a bit, uh, there's a part that's almost unnecessary mm-hmm. um, at the very end um, after the family is dead mm-hmm. and they're effectively, it's now their, their haunted house mm-hmm. that they get to live in for eternity. Another family of three purchases the house. Yeah. And they basically, uh, Dylan McDermott and his wife and daughter, do a Scooby-Doo on them yeah. to scare them out of the house. Um, and I, I felt that that whole sequence was a little unnecessary because, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like she stabs him in the stomach and his That's guts right. fall out. Um, and then they run out of the house and then they all have a bit of a laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 interesting what you say because by the end of the story, it the people that were so unhappy with each other at the beginning mm. are quite happy because you've got decorating Christmas trees like a real family does. And, and in the background, you've got the bad ghosts, namely Tate mm. and uh, the ex-girlfriend who mm. are just sort of sulking because they're left out because they're, they're not good ghosts. They're bad ghosts. Mm. And I kind of thought, man, well, they could make a whole series of this life with the ghosts in the house and how, <laughs> how they all live together. Because there's they, they are they aren't the only ghosts. There's more ghosts. There's yeah. two little boys. That's right. Uh, there's the Black Dahlia. Mm. Um, yeah, because that's did you that's based on a real story, isn't it? The Black Dahlia. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, it in the '40s there was a woman that was found murdered in L.A. She had been cut in half mm. and given a big huge gash in her mouth almost like the joker mm. um and the scene where they find her body in this show is almost shot for shot what it looked like in real life i read a, i read a book about it mm-hmm. a long time ago they never found out who killed her no so it's kind of so. interesting they're doing almost like a doctor who thing where they're taking something from real life and then kind yeah. of adding it into the the sort of the storyline of the show yeah 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 when they don't overdo it either. No. It's not as if, you know, it's it's not as if, oh gosh, it's not so popular or so well known. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, I get to think of an example that would be a bad example. 
maybe if they had Lizzie Borden, if they brought mm-hmm. Lizzie Borden in, that might be going too far. Yeah. But to have this this murder that occurred in nineteen forties that not many people remember mm. or know about, unless you tend to stay informed and things like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm babbling. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is this is two cups of coffee, ladies and gentlemen. Oh this my is, goodness! Yeah, it, this isn't uh, the the scotch or the vodka that I <laughs> you know usually have when I'm podcasting. So when we I always had to be drinking something. <laughs> when we were watching the Blu-ray, uh, my wife watched it as well, and she really enjoyed it too. Um, she's a huge Tennessee Williams fan, uh-huh. and she thought that um, the character of the neighbor played by Jessica Lang was very much in the sort of mold of um, the lead from a streetcar named desire. Oh my God. That's so true. Mm. Uh, that is absolutely true. Yeah. And in fact, when we were huh. watching the, um, the documentary on the Blu-ray, I think they actually mentioned that. So huh. uh, yeah, it's pretty well spotted, but yeah, you can see that it's that kind of matriarchal deep South kind of strong female character. Yeah, yeah, and she is great. Mm. She is and funny when she needs to be funny. Yeah. Uh, go down to the Koreans and get me a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but how do we get rid of the gays? <laughs> there are some great one-liners in there. <laughs> we hadn't yeah. even mentioned Zachary yeah. Quinto, did we? Because he features as one of the uh, the previous tenants. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so funny. I'm so awful. I'm such a bad nerd. We're watching this, <laughs> and it's... Zachary Kinto and a guy who is not the guy from True Blood. Mm. Oh, I can't remember the, the the name of the character in True Blood. The the blonde vampire guy. Mm-hmm. He the actor looks exactly like him. But yeah, they're the gay couple that own the house before before our heroes in the story. And they're the ones they were they were killed by Tate the Ghost. Mm-hmm. I'm like he looks so familiar. Where have I seen him before? And duh, idiot, he played Spock in the new Star Wars Star Trek movie. <laughs> And a, Gosh, and of course he was in Heroes as well. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Uh, what was the name of the character? Siler. Oh, it was a bad guy. Siler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he knows how to play but, um, a bad guy because they, with their characters, they're kind of. Again, it's a quite a complex thing because they initially come out as quite bad characters, but they uh-huh. they've got a real issue with their relationship, haven't they? And very much. Yeah not helped by the fact that they're now both dead because his right. his partner was just about to leave when they both get murdered so now he's stuck with Zach Kinto's character forever which yeah which doesn't yeah. bode well and they're really they're really catty to each other mm-hmm. um they're yeah they're not necessarily good ghosts or bad ghosts no. they're just they're interesting yeah they're interesting characters and they're very much invested in the baby that they're going to have because uh, I'm sorry that that uh, Vivian is going to have mm, everyone because wants they that were child. planning and adopting their own child. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I, there's a couple scenes with them and Jessica Lang that are quite good. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly, when they're trying to uh, when they're trying to uh, uh, decorate the nursery, mm-hmm. and 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 if you like Zachary Quinto. If you, I can't tell you, but people who know, have seen it know. If you like Zachary Quinto, wait until the second season. Really? I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Oh, God, I really want to talk about it, but I can't talk about it. 
Oh, we, um, we can say that it's, is it, am I right in saying it's set in an asylum? Yes, mm. yes. That's sort of like its tagline, Asylum. Yeah. American Horror Story, Asylum. Mm-hmm. Um, season two has, uh, the main character is Jessica Lange, mm-hmm. and she is the head sister of a, a mental asylum in 1964, I think. Okay. And we have her, um, I don't know what you would call it, the head sister. Mm. I don't know. She's a nun. Right. She's an absolute, absolutely horrible bitch. And there's also a doctor there, mm-hmm. uh, played by James Cromwell, who is oh, yeah, he's great. E- experimenting on the patients. Mm-hmm. And you have the Monsignor, played by uh, Joseph Fiennes, who... I haven't seen him in anything since he was in Shakespeare in Love, frankly. Oh, right. And it's it's very similar in some aspects to this, mm-hmm. in that to this season, in that the Jessica Lane character does a complete 180, and she goes from being this hard-as-nails bitch to a very sympathetic character mm-hmm. by the end of the season. And I can't tell you why. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch and find out. Yeah, but... She sounds the, a bit uh, like Nurse Ratched from uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how she starts out at. But she becomes more sympathetic later on. Oh, okay. Um, the uh, do you remember the um, I don't know the character's name, but the one who was married to the doctor that did the Frankenstein baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh goodness, this is really bad. I can't remember. But yeah, she's very good in it. Yeah, she comes back in season two. She plays um, one of the other nuns, the one mm-hmm. below Jessica Lange. Okay. And um, then there's Evan Peters, who plays Tate. He mm-hmm. comes back. Uh, he also has a, a larger role. Um, the lady who plays the psychic, Jessica Lang's personal psychic, mm-hmm. she has a huge role. Yeah. Um, Zachary Kinto comes back. He plays a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an aspect of it. It, it, it goes... I, I frankly was surprised that it was even on television. Really? And that it wasn't, that I wasn't watching like an HBO or Cinemax because they go a little bit too far sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not complaining, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it almost seemed a little bit unpro- inappropriate for something that, that you know, yeah. that's on regular TV. Well, not regular, yeah. Mm. Uh, there's some necrophilia. Oh, blimey. It, yeah, uh, there's well, there's there's. I swear, technically, you aliens, get that in the first season, don't you? In a way, n- yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's some really oh, god. Uh, okay, well, there's there's aliens mm-hmm. play. Uh, there's a subplot involving aliens because Tate, can't remember what his name is in the second season, mm-hmm. but he is supposedly abducted by aliens, right? And that's how he ends up in the asylum mm-hmm. because they think he's nuts. Um. There's a subplot involving a killer that's going around killing people. His name is Bloody Face. And by the end... Oh, God, how do I descri- explain this? <laughs> Dylan McDermott returns. Right. And he plays Bloody Face's... I'm not going to say. Yeah, I know, this isn't a spoiler. <laughs> he actually plays Bloody Face's son. Okay. And But he doesn't come back until maybe about halfway through the series. Hmm. Because they start doing flash forwards to modern day right. from nineteen sixty four, so um, it 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 came very 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 close to jumping the shark 
with the aliens. Right. I, I have to admit, because once you put the aliens in there, mm. it was almost like, uh, oh God, like watching Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. All right, yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> and I also, you know, I stuck with it because I realized that however they wrap this up, they're going to start all over again with the third yeah. season. So. so they have this ensemble cast that they really like and they effectively just throw them back in again, but as different characters yes. each time. Yes. Oh, and Frances Conroy, who plays Moira, she also comes back. She was really uh, she good. Plays... I don't think I'd seen yeah, her in anything play... before, but I thought she was really good in this. Oh, she was in uh, Six Feet Under. Uh, I hadn't seen that program. Oh, you haven't seen that? No. Okay. That that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good show. Mm. Uh, fun fact: those are her real eyes. She actually looks like that. Yeah, I saw that. They didn't. She had yeah. some. There was an accident with a rake or something, and then yeah. they made her eye go that particular kind of color. And they kind of uh, <laughs> added that into the plot in an interesting way. I wonder, I wonder how they, you know, I'm sure she wasn't offended, but like we got to explain to Frances <laughs> that we don't want her to wear contact lenses. Yeah. Are you going to tell her? I'll tell her. <laughs> Frances, you look, you look freaky. We love it. Hey, we haven't mentioned the, uh, the infantata either, have we? Oh God. Yes. That was freaky. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, crazy baby that lives in the basement. Mm. Um, so the guy that originally built the house um, for his wife and family way, way back was a doctor. And uh, they had all sorts of problems. They, the baby was going to die. So he decides to do a bit of a, a DIY patch-up job. And he makes this kind of Frankenstein's <laughs> monster with various spare parts that he's got just sort of pickled in jars in the basement. And... Uh, in the, I don't know if it ever gets called that in the show, but they refer to it on the extras and things as the infantata, and it's a really creepy thing. But you don't really see very much of it. I think that's why it works. Like a lot of good horror, this, it's one of those things yeah. that you just see a, a glimpse of it and your imagination does the rest. There's a really scary scene. Where it's, a, it's a flashback of Tate as a little boy, mm -hmm. and his toy truck falls down the stairs into the basement mm. and it comes out, the infantata comes out and the way that it's, it isn't revealed, like mm. you said, but you just see like a sort of a, like a silhouette in the darkness yeah. and then it just sort of lunges out and mm. then we see its point of view as it, as it lunges for Tate mm. and of course he's rescued by the child's mother. Yeah. But. Very freaky. And I think that that's, that's what gets the two little boys in the beginning, in the opening shot. Mm. So. And uh, the uh, the score, the um, oh, what do you call it? The opening credits music. Yeah, I mean the the whole opening titles were very effective at generating that kind <laughs> of atmosphere, aren't they? And the music uh, yeah. as well. It's kind of very freaky. Yeah, I know somebody who can't watch it. He would walk out of the room oh, really? when those were on because it, it scared him so much. Yeah, oh, a forty-year-old man, man <laughs> who couldn't who couldn't stand to watch. He got used to it after a while, but. Mm. Um, He's still in therapy now, it, but you know. <laughs> it, <laughs> but uh, everything in that you see in those opening titles is, uh, they say, is explained uh, later on in mm -hmm. the show. Except for the guy with the pinking, the pinking shears, the shears. Yeah. There's a guy that you see briefly, and he's that's never they never use that. I think they said they were going to have is. him in in a piece that got cut from the show. Um, so they were oh, really? they were really? going to explain it, but then they took that piece out. Huh. huh. But if I'm guessing if you listen to this and you haven't 
watched it, you're probably not going to want to see it now. But if you <laughs> <laughs> if you if you like horror, um, it's not. I don't think it's particularly gratuitous in the in certainly the first season. Anyway, there's a few bits. No. That, you know, maybe mildly bloody, but um, it's. I think it's a fantastic series. I would definitely recommend it if you want something to give you a bit of a chill. I think it's a great program, and it's as we said before, it's quite addictive to watch. And be careful with season two because that is gratuitous. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I'm, that's all I'm gonna say. I might have it's, to have uh, some Looney Tunes or something lined up on the, the Blu-ray afterwards so I don't have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like the first season, and I don't think this is a spoiler, mm. it gets all wrapped up at the end mm. and everybody does sort of live happily ever after. Mm. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think the, the show's creators, you know, they're, they're determined to thrill you and to disgust you, but <laughs> they still let everything turn out okay in the end. So... Because I've asked you to do this, you've probably spent most of the last week or so just marathoning American Horror Story. Is there anything else that you could recommend to our listeners that you've really enjoyed more recently? Oh, um, I'll tell you what I've been reading. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is going to sound like a, like a big, huge nerd. This is this is what I, I've been reading um, and, and doing mm-hmm. lately. Um I've I, you know, these there's this thing called Game of Thrones that everybody's into. Oh yes, I um, just got the box set myself <laughs> of the first two seasons, and yeah, I kind of I started off a bit tentatively because there were a lot of characters, and I was trying to get yeah. my head around it all. But once I've kind of got into it, it's another one of these programs that I just have to keep watching. Yeah, I I, I have not seen season two, but I've read the first book, and I mm-hmm. just started the second book. And it's it's quite excellent. Mm. And the first season of the show is very loyal to the book. Yeah. And uh, it is one of those things where there's so many characters, it's hard to keep track of. Even mm-hmm. in the book, there's even more characters in the book. Yeah. But it, it, it's still smooth. It goes down smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, And then, hand in hand with that, I recently bought an Xbox. I'm That's almost sweet. 40 years old. I, I, <laughs> haven't, I haven't had a, a video game console since the PlayStation 2 when I was in college. <laughs> and so I just kissed like hours of my life goodbye playing mm-hmm. Skyrim. Oh, which yeah. I, I, I can't get my head around how vast that little Skyrim universe is mm. and all the things that you can do. So I bought the Xbox so I could play Settlers of Catan online, but now it turns <laughs> out I'm spending most of the time playing Skyrim. It's like heroin in a box. <laughs> it's just... And of course, I can't recommend enough uh, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm told that Mad Men is very good as well. Yeah. And there's a show called Doctor Who that I seem to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, I quite like that show as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I more recently... Um, I had a chat with one of our listeners. Um, it's called Lena Burgard, and mm-hmm. she's based over in California. Um, we got chatting on Twitter about um, Agatha Christie. Um, oh yes, yeah, because you you like um, Clue, don't you? That's one of your favorites. Yes, yes, I love Clue. Mm. I, I collect board games, uh, Clue games, mm-hmm. and of course, I love the movie. Yeah. Um, so we were kind of talking about which stories would be good ones to recommend for someone who hasn't read any. And um, thanks to her, I ended up kind of going back to 
so I'm old. I'm because I'm my memory span is not great, and my attention span's even worse. Um, I have a lot of audio books, so um, mm-hmm. I dug out a copy of um, one of Agatha Christie's novels called Dumb Witness, um, which okay. is a really good story. It's a Poirot novel, um, so I've just finished that one. So um, I'd like to thank her for prompting me to do that because I haven't heard it for a while and I really enjoyed it. You know, if you like if you like that, mm-hmm. try uh, Ten Little Indians, or and then there were none. Those uh-huh. are two different titles. Yeah, that is excellent. That's my, one of my all-time favorite mm-hmm. books. One of my favorites of hers was um, Evil Under the Sun. Okay, okay, and that's, that's a Prara one, right? Yeah, that's based just down the road from us. Oh, really? Yeah, she was born uh, in a place called Torquay, which is very close uh-huh. to where I live. So, um, yeah, that's. That's kind of cool because you can envisage the location. It's got a very specific location. The place called Burr Island, which is a, a little tiny little island just off the coast. And they have a hotel there. And the murder takes place there. They, well, they obviously don't call it Burr Island in the, um, in the book, but it's very much huh. based on that. So that's kind of cool. Huh. So yeah, I def- definitely recommend that one if you want to have a, uh, a catch up on Agatha Christie. Yeah, I God, I went through a period where I probably read every single one of her books mm-hmm. in a row. Um, I devoured them. Not unlike when I started watching Doctor Who, I pretty much <laughs> devoured Doctor Who too. But so you've yeah. got um, you've got to get some reading on for your next Doctor Who book club podcast, haven't you? Yeah, we are doing uh, a book called Independence Day. Mm. Yeah, I had to put down Game of Thrones and then pick that up. Mm-hmm. I. Eric can read a book in one sitting. I can't. I don't have the attention span. No matter how good the book is, I have to read it in bursts. So I actually start reading the book almost a month mm-hmm. before we record. Yeah, I think I'd be the same. Eric is very quick. We did a show about I, Claudius, and uh-huh. he read both the Claudius books in some ridiculous turnaround. And I just I about struggled to get through the first one in time for us to record. Um, he is he is so clever. I don't is. know. Uh, I don't know. He's a very clever guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Every time he's on my podcast, I just get really drunk, and he probably judges the hell out of me. <laughs> We're gossiping about fellow podcasters in a podcast. <laughs> That's nice. Makes for good listening. <laughs> yeah, <it does. laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. you ever so much for coming onto the show, Sean. I really appreciate you uh, taking some time out. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed it immensely. Oh, thank you very much. And hopefully you might come back again sometime. I think I shall. Thank you if I'm asked. Cool. So uh, until next time, thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye.